Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. I can't tell you the number of riders that came up and offered encouragement and were asking me about what I'd gone through. You know, rode with me and they kind of felt that they wanted to support me. You know, I've ridden all around the U.S., I've ridden in other countries, but I've never had an experience like riding in Pelotonia. Welcome to One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. We're a passionate community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research. I'm your host and president of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an unstoppable community, and it's through research we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners for making all of this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Bath and Body Works, Huntington, Peggy and Richard Santulli, and Victoria's Secret. When you're done experiencing this episode, we'd be honored if you would leave a review and share it with family and friends. This really helps extend the impact of this series and helps further our one goal. Thank you. And now, on to the episode. So we are super excited to have uh, Phil Alloy on the One Goal podcast this afternoon. It's a bright, sunny afternoon. We're at our headquarters in Franklinton. We haven't done a podcast in the headquarters in a while. So, Phil, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a great privilege to be here and talk about Pelotonia and my experience with that. Yeah. So I'm super excited to dive into your story. And, you know, you and I met, and we, we can get into this a little later, but you and I met really through merchandise and sort of your your jersey business as a vendor. Um, but your merchandise sort of career started way before Pelotonia and um, maybe touring with some fun bands and uh, musicians and way back in the day. So tell me about that. Right, right. I got involved in, in merchandising and, and tour merchandising. I worked with Bob Marley at one time and we had the first license to do official Bob Marley merchandise. And we uh, had a company that printed and sold Bob Marley merchandise in the United States and throughout the world. Yeah. And when he passed in 1981, we were approached by his company, Tough Gong Records, to provide tour support for Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. And we toured throughout the country with them a number of times, coast to coast. And it was quite an experience. I bet. How did you end up with the Bob Marley license to begin with? Uh, I had been traveling to Jamaica. I mean, this is a story onto its own, but I was involved with, with merchandising and T-shirt printing. And here I'm a guy in Ohio says, I'm going to go to Jamaica yeah. and see if I can connect with Bob Marley. I mean, that's really what the idea was. <laughs> it, it, it took a number of years and a lot of knocking on doors. But one day it, the door opened up and uh, it happened. Yeah. And that's that's what it was. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll, I'm sure those stories are, are uh, uh, you know, stories for another podcast. Yes, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, when did cycling come in your life? And, you know, I, I know you've you've been cycling for a long time. When did that 
sort of become a hobby or a big interest? Of yours? Uh, I've, I've been a runner my whole life, but I, I got involved in cycling about 20 years ago when I moved to Columbus. I, again, I'd been doing the Bob Marley merchandising. And at the, in the late 1980s, a group called GOBA, Great Ohio Bicycle Adventure, oh, yeah. was being organized here in Columbus. And one of the organizers knew of this relationship I had with the Marleys and the merchandising, the mail order. And they approached me if I wanted to do the merchandising and the mail order. The march for GOBA. For GOBA. And that's kind of how I transitioned from music into cycling and and, and, into the merchandising. Yeah. What, uh, like, as you think about cycling, and I'm always curious, cycling's always means something to people. And there's a reason people like it. What do you like about cycling? I like cycling to be able to get out the freedom of cycling. And just to be able to get out in the motion again, I used to run, but you know, you can go out and run for an hour, 90 minutes and that's it. You can go out and cycle all day and run into people and be in nature and be by yourself. And actually get somewhere. Yeah. Running is kind of hard to actually travel somewhere. Enjoy it. It's been, you know, the first time I got on a bike was probably the last time I ran. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's just, it's just a wonderful experience. And whether you ride 10 miles or a hundred miles makes no difference. It's just that freedom. And bicycles are kind of like time machines because everybody rode bikes as little kids. And it kind of almost takes you back to then again, that freedom and that release that you get from cycling. Where did you sort of first encounter Pelotonia? And and maybe it was just watching it from afar sort of sort of grow. But then, you know, you eventually, I think, met some pretty, you know, legendary people in the community. Mike Perry, I know, is someone that you connected with early on. And how'd that all come about? Well, Mike is really the person that really inspired me with Pelotonia. I was aware what it was. Mike was running a series of uh, indoor training, wintertime training. It was a local church or something. You could bring your bike and your indoor trainer and set up. And we were doing that. And at that time, I really didn't know about his relationship with Pelotonia. And of course, he runs Team COPC, which is yeah. one of the big independent teams, one of the most successful teams. And somewhere along the way, he mentioned that, you know, he was looking for jerseys for his team just in the course of conversation. I said, you know, I have a company that that makes jerseys. And he said, go ahead, make ours. Yeah, make, make the COPC jersey. Yeah, and, and we've done that. And he was so pleased. He said, you know, you got to talk to Pelotonia. And he introduced me to you. So let's talk about sort of you had a, but I think it's a really interesting health journey, you know, over yes. the last couple of years um, and something that you and I have, have really gotten to connect on. So take us back to the beginning when, you know, maybe you weren't feeling so well and noticed something wasn't quite right. In 2018, during a normal health checkup, they noticed a uh, high blood protein that potentially indicated cancer and they did some research. They found out so this is just from like a simple blood draw. Right. That yeah. that was the that was suspicion. The and then after they started looking, they determined I had hepatocellular carcinoma, which is liver cancer. What did you think when they told you that? Do you remember where you were when someone it's, told you that you had uh, liver cancer? It's, it was pretty shocking, you yeah. know? I mean, in the sense is, fortunately, we were kind of ahead of it that I didn't feel any ill effects so I really didn't know what was going on. And so you so, felt fine generally. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it was like hitting the gut when they tell you something yeah. like that, you know, so like, like what, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, I was out riding, you know, I was doing it my normal living and suddenly yeah. this comes. Cancer, yeah. Right? But they told me, you know, and I was, I, I went through 
uh, Ohio State at the James, and they determined to do what was called a, a liver bisection, that the cancer was limited to a small portion of, of my liver, and they could take it out. So you just uh, take off part of the liver? Right, right. They took off the tip end of the liver. Uh, they said they got it, but they cautioned me, if it returns, the only option you're going to have is a liver transplant. That was something I, I couldn't even conceive at that point. You know, I, I was how, how long was that surgery into, or I guess, you know, you had that blood draw where, you know, there was a questionable sort of level of protein or whatever that they investigated. From that point to being told you had cancer to the surgery. I would say it was probably less than three months because once they realized what was going on, they, they scheduled it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no time to waste. And they did that. And, um, you know, they monitored me every six months. They're actually every three months they monitored me with CT sure. scans and all that. And everything went along very well until the following year, they said the cancer has returned. The response that I had to that compared to the first one was mega. I mean, yeah. now, it's a gut punch. Th yeah, this is real serious. It, it took me a couple of weeks to really come to terms of what was going on, because even though they tell you you can get a transplant, that doesn't mean you can get one. And plus, you have to go through all the procedures. And it's not like they scheduled the liver bisection for a, a few weeks later. Transplants don't work that way. Yeah, right. You know, you got to get on a, lot a list. A of stars have to align. Yeah, for... exactly. So, um, you know, I was fortunate to get on the, the transplant list here at, uh, at Ohio State. And as a backup, I also got on the list at Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. Uh, but it takes a minimum of six months after you're on the list before they will even consider you. You know, and you can't be, you know, they monitored me to make sure it hadn't metastasized because if it had gotten outside the liver, that's it, you're done. You yeah. Know? Uh, so, you know, I was constantly undergoing medical review. Um, during that time, I would say it was well over a year later. So this was yeah, so, yeah. So starting in the fall of 2019, 2019. where they told you cancer's back and next step's a transplant. Mm -hmm. From that minute, you're just sitting, waiting, going through that six-month period, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And meanwhile, there you're constantly getting checked up by the doctors. Right, and right. And even at the end of the six-month period, when kind of you now begin to get to the point where they can consider you, you know, you just have to sit and wait. You know, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, six months go by and you're still in a waiting mode. I mean, it's not like they can schedule something like a transplant. I mean, they just said, best thing you can do is keep a your your a bag of your clothes in your car. So if we call you, you can just come. Like a go I mean, bag. Yeah, exactly. You know, and never Jeez. let your phone out of your reach because you get the call. It could be day or night. Um, that's kind of how, how it was. What was, you know, fall 2019, Cancer's back, told you need a transplant. You know, I think everybody knows in March of 2020, the world changed quite a bit. And from a health standpoint, mm -hmm. what was going through your mind with that knowing you've, you're trying to keep yourself as healthy as yeah. you possibly can to get this transplant that you need? Um, and now we've got COVID right. showing up. And I was obviously pretty much isolated myself to stay away from it. Uh, I still had to do work and income, fortunately. The cancer had not attacked my liver to the point that it kind of made me sick or incapacitated me. 
Uh, I was able to lead a relatively normal life. And, you know, one thing I continued to do all this time was continue cycling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was healthy enough to do that, not only for my mental fitness, but also, I, you know, they're talking an eight or 10 hour operation to do this. And some of the tests they put you through was to see if you could even make it through the operation. Oh, interesting, like yeah, stress tests yeah, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I, I was determined to, I was training for the life or death Olympics is how I looked at it. You, know, you went all of 2020, you know, sort of sitting and waiting. You know, uh, I started getting calls. I got a call from Ohio State. This would have had to been late summer. Um, I remember I was in Clintonville and the call comes, you yeah. know, and it's like, whoa, what am I doing now? And uh, I had a friend who lived in the area. I, I parked my car there and they took me over to, to the hospital, you know, yeah. and I thought, oh, here we go. And of course, I called all my family and everybody's, you know, at long last, all this. And I get there and it didn't work out. Interesting. Just because so it just wasn't a match or there's right or that wouldn't have been viable necessarily. Got and it. I went through this four times, you know, and each, at one point it got to the point that I wasn't even calling anybody. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go. And if they tell me, you know, I think <laughs> they tell I, you then you're good. Yeah, to go. Yeah, I think I even Ubered people. over once. So I wouldn't leave my car there. Um, that must have been an interesting Uber ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, where are you going? Uh, what are you going over there for? Yeah, yeah, liver, liver transplant. transplant. Yeah. What? <laughs> You know, so it it, it, it kind of got that way because mentally you have to be begin to begin to deal with it. Obviously, the first yeah, time, right. and then you know every time you you have to deal with it. You know, your whole family, everybody's you know on, on alert for that. And I just didn't want to continue to put everybody through that. Yeah, you know. So each successive time, I think I told fewer and fewer people. Yeah, but there was a time. Uh, they had me in the gown. They had me set to go in the operating room. I got that close, and they said. Liver's not, whatever the reason, they don't necessarily give you the reason why. Yeah. And they pulled all the, the, the leads and everything out of me and said, go home. So that, that was it. That took me through the end of 2020, four times. I got called four times. By four false, false alarms four, or not, yeah, you know, not yep. matches. How discouraged were you by that fourth time? Um, I was hoping to have it done by the end of 2020. And again, you, there's, you have no control over this. Yeah, none. I mean, right. It's just a hope, you know. And yes, by the end of 2020, I was kind of discouraged. And I, you know, but I was still, fortunately, the cancer hadn't overtaken my liver and I was leaving, leading a pretty normal life. Yeah. I, I, I just can't stress how blessed I was during all this because, you know, as I've gone through, you know, both at Ohio State and Cleveland Clinic, gone to some of these seminars with people, you know, there's some really sick people there, you know. And I was able to, you know, walk in and walk out on my own and basically live a, a, a good life during all this. But, um, you know, it was I'm always looking over the precipice. You yeah. know, you never know when you're going to take that step over because yeah. when the cancer is going to catch up to you. Cancer changes your perspective on a lot of things mm -hmm. and how you value time with people and sort of all of that stuff. Were you starting to just change any behaviors or do anything different because of what you were experiencing? Well, your thought process definitely goes through some, some revisions because yeah. again, you never know, you know, if the, you know, get the transplant in time to save your life. Yeah. And actually I was going through some treatment because uh, the cancer was, you know, active in my liver and I was going through treatments here in Columbus uh, to try and retard the development of the cancer. And very painful. 
Um, and they told me, listen, this is not going to stop the cancer. All we're trying to do is keep you alive long enough to, to get a transplant. And so early 2021, you get another call. Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, uh, it's a Super Bowl Sunday, you get a call. I watched the game, went to bed, you know, one o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, Cleveland Clinic. We have a liver available. Are you interested? Yes. Get in your car right now and head to Cleveland. One o'clock in the morning, I get in my car, freezing cold night out. Never remember how uh -huh. cold it was, forget how cold it was. And I drove up there. By yourself? Did you drive up by yourself? I drove up by myself because again, you, you never were worried know. about the, the you know, false, somebody yeah. you could be halfway there and they could call and say, you know, it's not working out. Oh. So, you know, so worst case scenario, I'll park my car there, you know, so or they'll send me back. And I got there and four o'clock in the morning I get there and they kind of set me up. And the next morning, morning of February 8th, they took me in the operating room and they said, the only way you know that this has been successful is when you wake up and they tell you you've had a liver transplant. And sure enough, that's what happened. First, my first memory of coming out of that after being in a coma for two days, they put you in a coma. They put you in a coma. For two days. And I had no idea of this until someone told me days later how long it had been. They wanted you, everything to kind of settle down. Yeah. I remember the nurse standing over me and saying, congratulations, you have a new liver. Do you remember like... You know, I've had like two pre-major, actually three pre-major surgeries. And I feel like I always remember wearing the gown, laying in the bed, getting wheeled into the operating room. You're chit-chatting with people, mm -hmm. right? Like almost trying to calm your own nerves. Do you remember that moment before you sort of went under it's, anesthesia? It's interesting because there was a time, I remember getting to Cleveland Clinic and yeah. I remember parking my car. And it was a few hours later when the surgery actually took place. And I, I'm completely blanked because I don't remember none, I remember none of that, even though people said I called them and let them know what was going you on. Don't remember I don't anything. remember any of that, but I do remember being in the operating room and they kind of wheel you in and they want you to get on the operating table. Yeah. And they said, you need to put something on your, on your hair to cover your hair. And I remember that and that's it. And I remember waking up two days later and I see you. I, hadn't, I thought it was that afternoon. I had no idea. Yeah. It had been two days. It wasn't until I talked to somebody and said, no, it's Thursday. And I said, what do you mean it's Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl was last night. <laughs> right. I came here on Monday. I said, yeah, but, you know, no, they, they wanted it to, the, your body to settle down and everything to kind of take. So yeah. just, uh, I can't tell you what universes I visited yeah, during, sure. during those times, but they were out there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. What, um, so you wake up, nurse. Doctor yep. standing yep. over you and telling, giving you a thumbs up. That was it. I was in ICE. I spent, uh, I don't know, maybe eight days in ICU, and then I went to regular hospital. I was, and then I went into rehab. I was in Cleveland for two months. Spent another week there after I was discharged in the hospital. Uh, my brother came in from California and, and helped, and my sister. Uh, meanwhile, my wife was kind of getting the house prepped here mm -hmm. uh, for my return. Uh, I came back and I spent another probably six weeks. People stayed with me 24-7 because, yeah. you know, I, I was, I couldn't even walk. They had to teach me how to walk again in rehab. What, now, what was that due to? Is that just the, like, severity of the surgery itself? Well, first of all, I was in a hospital bed for you just lying six down weeks. And, and yeah. you, you just see your muscles atrophy in your skin. But... Mentally, it takes so much out of you because I remember when they took me into rehab. And again, this is 
probably five weeks after the surgery, they wanted me to do simple math problems. And I looked at those numbers and the numbers had no meaning to me. I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what they were asking me. And that was the scariest part yeah, of everything. Right. Cause I knew, well, these are numbers, but I don't know what four means, you know, huh. and I don't know how to do the subtraction. And there was a clock on the wall. You know, they asked me to draw the clock and I couldn't align the numbers correctly, even though there was something to look at. That was really scary. Oh, man. You know, this has mentally affected yeah. me because, you know, verbally, I, you know, I could talk and all that. But when it came down to that stuff, I, th I think of everything that scared me more. Than yeah, anything. that's scary. Yeah. That's not something you think of. No. When you think, of, I mean, you think of, a, you know, major organ transplant as major, but I don't think anyone thinks of those ancillary sort of no, things that can happen around it. There, there, there's, they try and prep you, you know, both. I went through the procedures here, you know, the prep stuff here in, in Columbus and in Cleveland, but nothing can prep you for what's going on. There's just so much, for instance, while you're gone, who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to cut the grass? Who's going to yeah, do right. this kind? Who does this kind of stuff? You don't think of that. You yeah. know, what's your day-to-day -day life, you know, like, you know, and suddenly you're taking out all that. So that was February, 2021. Yes. When did you start feeling like yourself again months later uh, on top of everything else there was further complications i had another big surgery at the end of 2021 so i was through it in 2021 i had to go back to cleveland and they opened me up on the same incision line and, and did some work because i had some complications wasn't life-threatening but it needed to be needed done to be addressed and so i would say i probably spent three months of 2021 in the hospital and probably another three or four months recovering yeah. And all the time they told me um, or asked me when I was in the hospital, what are your goals for getting out? And I said, there are three goals. One is to kind of get back to normal like I was before, to be able to ride my bike mm -hmm. and to walk my daughter down the aisle at her wedding. And I've accomplished one. I've accomplished two riding my bike. And a week from tomorrow, I'm walking my daughter down the aisle. And that, I, I can't tell you what that means. So I'm curious, you know, as you, you know, we've, we've known each other for a few years now and just you seeing and being involved in Pelotonia and as you think about Pelotonia this year and you see people out cycling with their Pelotonia jerseys on and, you know, you support some teams to, to help them with their Pelotonia jerseys, like, what's that like now being on the other side of this and seeing, you know, our entire community mm -hmm. gets behind Palatinian supports something that both you and I care deeply about, yeah, which is yes. cancer research and survivorship and all of those those things. What's it? What's that you mean? Know, to it's you? interesting seeing it from both sides, both as a you know participant, obviously as a vendor, but as a survivor. In in, in 2020, I, I I wrote it after the first surgery, and at that point, you know, Palatinia provides survivors special jerseys. Let's say, you know, we're a survivor and I was wearing mine and I can't tell you the number of riders that came up and offered encouragement and were asking me about what I'd gone through, you know, rode with me and they kind of felt that they wanted to support me and the people along the way who, you know, saw me as a survivor. And, and I kind of feel, well, all right, I've come through this, you know, and there's other people who've probably had it much worse than me, maybe help them a little bit, I think, because, yeah. you know, I think I've, I've made it, I think. But it was it was so such an emotional experience to be able to participate in Pelotonia that way. 
you know, I've ridden all around the U.S. I've ridden in other countries, but I've never had an experience like riding in Pelotonia. You, you know, it's uh, it was so life affirming to be able to go out there and the whole vibe and the energy that, that the community brings to this. And me as a survivor, one of I don't know how many survivors ride, but I mean, there's a lot. I mean, yeah, in some years sure. we've had up to eight, nine hundred. Yeah, um, but then you include the volunteers and. Spectators, there's thousands of yeah, survivors out there during the weekend. It, it, it's an incredible experience. I, I just can't emphasize, even kind of even put it in words, what it what it what it what it means. And now getting ready to ride it again brings a whole nother whole nother level into it. It's, yeah, it's 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 quite something. Yes. Yeah, so what's your Pelotonia plan this year? Actually, I belong to Major Taylor Cycling Club yep. here in Columbus, and they're fielding a team. And you know, thank you for the support through Pelotonia. And they are, we're going to be riding with them. We're yeah. doing the 56? 57. 57. 57, formerly yeah. known as the 50 that was <laughs> actually 57 miles, yeah. but uh, we're calling it actually what it yeah. is this year, so, so 57. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because, again, one of my big goals laying there in a hospital bed was being able to say, I, I, I can ride again. I'm looking forward to seeing you out on the road this year and and hopefully seeing you during ride weekend and repping that survivorship, yep. the, the jersey. And this has just been an amazing story. And I'm super grateful for you just Absolutely. coming in and sharing it. it, it and it, it, It's been a great privilege. And I think one of the things I feel almost responsible for, having come through this twice and with the transplant, and, you know, people sometimes approach me and they want to know a little bit about it. And I think sometimes they're a little hesitant or reticent. I am wide open. I My, my story... I think it's so remarkable uh, in it a is. sense that I feel so blessed to be able to, to be able to come through all this and essentially live a normal life. I mean, I can't even tell you what that means to me um, and to be able to share that with people and, you know, encourage people to, you know, be involved in the Pelotonia or just, you know, if you know somebody in your family that has cancer, I've told people, if they want to talk to me, call me. My yeah. phone works 24-7, yep. believe me. I've been through the 24-7 yeah, right. really phone have. receipt call. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I feel I have a responsibility to try and explain where I've been, you know, where I'm going and try and encourage people. It's, it's the least I can do for what I've been gifted here, and that's yeah. really what it's been. You yeah. know? Phil, thank you so much for sharing your story and looking forward to sharing this with the whole community. Quite welcome. Again, it's been my privilege, Joe. Thank you for inviting me means a lot. Yeah, thank you. This has been One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. I'm your host, cancer survivor and president of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team, Gabby Blauert, John Tolbert, and Alita Smith. One Goal is carefully crafted, produced, and mastered at the studios of Wessler Media. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so willing to share their inspiring journeys for this podcast. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe so you can listen to previous episodes and receive notifications about future ones. If you want to learn more about the Pelotonia community and how you can make an impact on cancer research, see the link in the show notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.